Welcome to This Week in the 90s, brought to you by Alive and Kicking, the original 90s football podcast. On today's show, as it's International Week, we're going from Rotterdam to Rome, the highs and lows of England qualification, and a little bit more of everything else you normally expect from the boys here on This Week in the 90s. This is Gary Stevens, and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Remember, keep it 90s. Those boys I'm talking about are, of course, my fellow 90s enthusiasts. First, he's on a bit of a break from 11 Sports this week because they've got no international coverage. So he's just started around talking 90s football with us. Uh, Joel Young, how are you doing? I'm all right. I did like your little allusion to the beautiful South there in your introduction. Ah, you notice. You see, I did that. See, see, I know. I know about pop songs and the like. That's a, that's you, a, you'll be very proud of me. I did a, I did a quiz on Sparkle. Can you name the artist who did these songs every number one of the 1990s? And I got the lot. Every single number one of 1990s? It was every number one song, and you had to say who it was. Wow. That is, I'm very proud. I don't think I'd be able to even do that. <laughs> wow. Mm. I did 90s and 80s. How many How both. many number ones were there in the 1990s? Do you even remember? I think it was like, I think, uh, hold on, for the 2000s it was 151. So I think it'll have been a, a bit less than that. Yeah. But still, probably about sort of 120 or something. Something like that, 130. I think from about 93 onwards I'd be all right. I might struggle a little bit early on that. But I think, yeah, right. late 90s especially, I'd be bang on it. Mm. I'm, I'm going to do that quiz. What was that on? Sporkle. Sporkle, yeah. Yeah, a little plug for them. Um, a little plug for the outlets that Matthew Chris writes for as well. Sportsman and now Betfair dipping his toe in other sports as well, as you might have seen on his Facebook page or wherever else doing Super League stuff. Matthew, you're you're branching out a bit, aren't you? Well, that's purely because I've written so much about 90s football. I don't think there's anything <laughs> left for me to talk about. So I'm actually having to talk about real sport now, which is uh, bringing, me back, bringing me bang up to date. So let's, we won't talk about that on this show because it's... Uh, I'll get a yellow card for not keeping it 90s. By the way, in that song you referenced there, you missed out Liverpool, didn't you? Liverpool is... Yeah, Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Rotterdam yeah. or anywhere. Anyway, Liverpool or Rome. Yeah. Yeah. Tut, tut, tut. Oh, yeah. It's a great song, though. It's a yeah. great song. But that was... A, was that a, was that a 90s? Yes. That was on. a 90s. Yeah, about 98? Yeah. 98, was it? Yeah. Followed yeah, by yeah. Um, Don't Marry Her, him. Have, have, have me. me. Have me. Have yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that era. Yeah, that yeah you're, you're going to do very well on this quiz, Ash, aren't you? If you I can't remember it. Remember the name. Yeah. Beautiful yeah, South had one number one in the 90s, Ash. That would have been an early one that I won't remember, see? That yeah, was early was 90s. A, a Little Time was yeah. number one for the Beautiful South in 1991. Yeah, yeah. See, with, the, with the old singer, was it? Not yeah, yeah. First singer. Not old, she's not old, so she's yes. old, but she's the original singer. The original singer, yeah. I went, yeah. I went to a wedding about two years ago, a friend of my uh, wife's who uh, was a former work colleague, and they, she was obsessed with the Beautiful South, and so the whole night there was just random Beautiful South songs, and it was really, you know, like you don't you don't expect to hear them at a wedding, and I think Paul was, it was who's the main guy who's always been it, Paul? Paul he, Yeah, he did like a, um, a video message for her, which was very sweet as well, that her dad had arranged, but yeah, very random band for someone of that Age, to be to, to be totally obsessed with as well. Yeah, I know, really, really random. But I got to hear. So Ross saying that, that, saying that in the mid nineties, everyone had a copy of that greatest hits. Carry, carry on up the chart. Yeah, it's one of those yeah. albums that everyone seems to have. Yeah. I have. I had the single for Rotterdam as well. I can still remember it because it was obviously it was orange. I remember the the cover of it. Um, as we're talking pop stars, as we normally do on here, I've just seen this tweet that um, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Fat Boy Slim doing a set 
I don't know when this was, maybe at the weekend, and he's doing whatever he does, you know, all the normal dance tunes, and he suddenly drops the theme to Grandstand, and there's loads of millennials dancing, clearly not knowing what the hell the tune is, but still getting on with it. Being fair, I was a DJ for 12 years, and I split the theme off Grandstand. It's a good good tune. Henry Henry Carden, and if you're listening, Henry, hello, uh, but Henry Carden, shouted at me one day in the office said, I can't believe you've nicked Grandstand off me. I was like, mate, I've been playing it about five years. Thank you very much. So yeah, it's a, it's a big favourite of people's. I never knew this. It was the 60th anniversary of Grandstand, wasn't it, the other day? And I sent you those football focus titles, which are absolutely is. Yeah, great. Yeah, so Sid Lambert obviously abused that anniversary as much as he can on his brilliant, brilliant Twitter feed. Proper football. Here's a trivia question for you, John. Putting you on, putting you on the spot. When, oh, or both, God, both of you, when did Grandstand call it a day it, it must have been about mid 2009 like mid 2000s yeah. yeah because they just had nothing left nothing left. There was yeah. nothing left to show so they just decided to put horns under the hammer on instead and stuff like that yeah. and then just go for final score because i just think everything was getting swallowed up by everyone else and then they did probably end up like world of sport where you're doing wrestling and stock car racing and yeah. things like that. 2007. There you go. 2007. That, that is that is quite recent. Well, it's not because it's 10 11 well, years, ago, it's 11 years ago. But it does feel quite recent. Mm. But yeah, World of Sport was definitely the poor relation to Grandstand. I always thought. Yeah, yeah, it was very. And then they tried to flash it up in the mid 80s, but it just didn't quite work, did it? Because they were still showing like, you know, the, apart from the ITV6 or the ITV7, it was always just stock car racing and like yeah. cutouts from ABCs. Wild, yeah. uh, wide world of sports. Yeah, but they used Getting to have evil and stuff. They used to have the odd boxing from the week before, though, didn't they? If there was a big heavyweight yeah, title yeah. fight in in uh, the states, they would, you know, that was like the first time you'd see it. You know, if, if, I remember like, seeing Muhammad Ali. Might have been one of his last ones, maybe Larry Holmes or something. And I definitely yeah. remember seeing that. Yeah, Grandstand. and it was mm. well, no, it would have been on World, world, world of Sport, sport but, it, right. but it would have been the weekend before. I mean, it was probably. I remember the days when Tyson was first on the scene. You know, when he was eighteen and he was hammering everybody, and you'd see that on World of Sport on the Saturday morning. But it was from the previous week. But that was the that was the first time you'd seen it because uh, you just had no way of no way of watching it. See, I, I still think it's weird that Football Focus is now its own programme because for me, growing up, that was always the first part of Grandstand. That's the part I used to watch for sure because that was uh, they, 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 they do their little intro and then they did Football Focus. Then it became its own, but that was in 2001. It became its own programme. Yeah, it did that. It did that before. Yeah. I know. It's just time. Where did time go? It was just after the 90s. And memories, memories, like the corners of my mind. Mm. Very nice. Very nice. Um, that's what we do on here. Memories, and we've got memories today. It's International Week. Um, uh, which some people like, some people don't. I don't know, it depends what run your club team is doing at the moment, I suppose. Uh, I won't talk about Nottingham Forest, Joe. Um, oh, it was terrible. <laughs> uh, it was, I mean, Pulis came out and called them a load of potatoes. Which what I thought was, yeah. What? what? <laughs> he said, oh, they were rubbish, they were a load of potatoes. Karanka came and did a number on us, you know, whatever. What a brilliant link that leads me to do now, because if we're talking potatoes, we can now talk turnips. Oh, oh that's a beautiful link. I didn't think I'd get to that because the first we're talking about two big games on this uh, this episode of this week in the nineties, two massive England games that were both this week. We'll do them the other way around in terms of actual days, but years they make sense in terms of chronologically. Thirteenth um, of October, nineteen ninety-three. It's Graham Taylor's England. Um, that set the scene going into this match. 
in Rotterdam against Holland. England needed to win. They had only taken uh, a point of Holland in the return fixture at Wembley in a 2-2 draw. They'd only take a point of Norway, uh, who were the leaders of the group at the time um, at Wembley, and they sort of lost the uh, away game in uh, Oslo earlier in the season. So they went into this game having to win uh, to have any chance of qualifying for the World Cup Finals in 1994, USA 94, one of my favourite tournaments, of course. Um, I remember watching this, and this is such a vivid memory. I may even said this before. You weren't in a caravan in the New Forest, by any chance? I have said it. Oh, see, you haven't listened. You haven't listened completely. I was in a log cabin. Not oh, a caravan. Only you could be in a log cabin. Yeah, would that would be right? I thought I might have been a caravan. But it's you know those weird things like I can literally see myself sitting there. Like there are things that my mum and dad were saying. Oh, do you remember we did this and on holiday and blah blah. I'd be like, nope. This was October half term on some shitty like £10 probably sun holiday type thing that my mum and dad thought was a brilliant idea at the time when they were still reading the sun and there we were it was pouring absolutely pissing down with rain I remember it that freezing cold I don't think the cabin even had proper heating and the only thing to warm my cockles was watching England v Holland which I assume was on ITV because Brian Moore isn't the commentator in the highlights uh, that I've seen um, and before we tell the story of the match I mean everyone who should know it anyway but Guys, what do you remember about the you know going into this game, the England team at the time, Graham Taylor, Matthew, coming to you first? Well, it's funny, in hindsight, looking back at it, what's amazing is how optimistic we all were that England were going to go there and actually get anything out of this game. Because I remember at the time people sort of going, oh, well, it's all right, because if England win away at Holland, we qualify. But looking back with the benefit of hindsight, knowing what we know now about that team, there was absolutely no way they were going to go there and beat that Holland team. Um, so yeah, I don't know why anybody even bothered. I don't know why you even bothered putting it on in that log cabin. You should have sat around the <laughs> sat around the campfire and sung a few a few songs. Big Gay Goolies, yeah. Big But I suppose yeah, we always think that, and it's it's part of why you get you get sucked up in it. But yeah, it just as we all know with that camp, it was such a rotten qualifying campaign, wasn't it? To to think there was any hope that England could go there and. And get anything from the game was uh, was a bit optimistic. But then saying that, that you could argue, as we, I'm sure we will talk about, that they were extremely unlucky in terms of uh, one particular refereeing decision. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's the thing that I sort of remember from the game is think from memories of, of the match. Thinking, I mean, I remember going around to a friend's house to watch it, and everyone sort of thinking, oh, we're going to watch this, and we've got to. Uh, we got to watch England qualify for the World Cup and and and, and etc. And but now thinking about it, you just think they're never going to do it. I do think whether if England had qualified, what it would have meant for that USA '94 World Cup. Because I really enjoyed that World Cup for the fact that England yeah, weren't too. in it. Yeah. So I wonder whether that would have tainted memories of it. Not tainted, but but changed them. We would have gone out to some horrible penalty shootout knowing the '90s. Um, yeah. Uh, Matthew mentioned the teams there, Joe. I don't know if you've seen them, but I mean. When you look at the two teams, so England had Seaman, Parker, Adams, Pallister were rare. Our pal, our pal, Dorigo. Our pal, Dorigo. What I, what I thought about us is that, you know, I think the midfield is Ince and Palmer and Merson. And Lee Sharp. Lee Sharp, yeah. And then, and, and Platt playing behind. Oh, no, the foot, and they had Merson up front with Shearer. A young Shearer, yeah. get a touch. And, and with Platt behind them. And I was going, wow, that's so... Uh, unbalanced yeah it was my first thing just looking at that going wow that doesn't 
look right. And then you look at Holland, which is uh, Degui, the one of the ugliest players in yeah. football. I think. No. And he won't. I won't Well, hold on, because you know, you know that I once said I wanted to bring back fat football players yeah. in football. Well, actually. Every football player now looks like a Greek god, so I'd like to bring back yeah. ugly, ugly players as well. Yeah. Because there isn't many ugly footballers, right? You know, there used to be Tenor Penny, you know, B. Styles was ugly, Ed De Gooey was ugly, uh, Luke Chadwick was hideously ugly, yeah. but nobody's really ugly anymore. And I, I sort of miss the edge of the <laughs> ugly football or like peculiar looking. Everyone just looks very dashing. Yeah, that's that, that, that bringing, trying to be a superstar, trying to be famous, isn't it? Yeah. Bring back a Terry Herlock or someone like that. Not that I'd call him ugly at all to his face. No. But, but um, you look at that Holland team, then they had the, the two De Burs, the two Koomans. Obviously, we're going to get to him. But then I thought when I went back and watched the highlights, the, obviously, uh, right guard, uh, very good deodorant. Uh, <laughs> we that's terrible, Joe. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. I do apologise. Uh, you haven't been in the uh, pub all day, so yeah. you haven't Joe? No, that's I not haven't. even a drug no, joke. That's no, just I'm a not dad pissed. joke. I'm not <laughs> Freak. I'm just a dad joke. Yeah, I'm 42 year old man. Uh, and, and, and the player that stood out for me, because obviously everybody thought, and, and Brian Moore even mentions it in commentary, says, Oh, Burkamp is in poor form in mm. Milan. And we talked about it before that it probably was just the wrong club for him. But the player who impressed me the most, strangely, the speed of Brian Roy. Yeah. I like, love I Brian Roy. Going, I don't remember him being like that. But there he was. Bombing along, beating defenders all the time, rattling the fullbacks. And the player who had the best game, I think, for England in the match was our old pal Tony Dorigo. Yeah, well, let's talk about the first half because it was pretty even. Uh, there were chances for Burkamp, sort of half chances for David Platt and Paul Merson. But our pal, you know, friend of the show, part of our live extravaganza at Golazzo in the summer, Tony Dorigo, hit one hell of a free kick. Um, on the sort of the sort of midway through the first half, that hit the post. That really, I mean, was Stuart. He was only playing because Stuart Pearce was injured, which is t- Tony to his own self admission was usually his part in the England setup anyway. But it was a free kick and a half that Matthew wasn't it? Yeah, well, we I remember saying this to Tony in the summer when we did the show that he, he was well known for his um, mm. his dead ball. Well, his free kick. I mean, he wasn't really a well known penalty taker, but he, he, I remember him saying he was. He would have stepped up and taken one had he been playing in the uh, ninety semi final. And he said he, he said he was a. He was very confident in and around the box when it came to a free kick. So um, I mean, as was Stuart Pearce, obviously. So they both they, was, they both posed a threat. But I always thought that was a, a sort of an unsung part of Dorigo's game. Um, one of one of many, really. Um, you know, for England because he didn't didn't figure hugely in the 90s but um yeah you'd always uh you'd always fancy him in and around the box with a uh, with that thunderous strike and well how different things could have been i suppose if uh if he'd if he'd found the net well you say that because how different things should have been in really in as we've mentioned already how unlucky england were going into the second half um 57 minutes on the clock david platt goes through on goal ronald kuman professional foul on him, but somehow, I th- well, looking at the highlights and looking back again, it seems that the referee instantly gives a penalty, um, then decides to change his mind. I don't Doesn't know who... the linesman, the linesman gives the penalty, yeah, and then mate... the referee gives it, and then for some reason, and whether mm. it's hassle or, or what, or the heat at the moment, he, he does change his mind and gives it as a free kick outside the box, which, which I think is the right decision. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is the right. Yeah. Watching it, or, as we all watched it at the time, everyone went up calling him penalty I mean I certainly did I'm sure Ash did in his, his bedroom tent yeah. Yeah. 
um, <laughs> but, I'm honoured that yeah, you remember the story, to be honest. But yeah, go oh, well, yeah, I think you've only told everybody about, <laughs> about five times. I think I remember that. I think I remember that more than I do anything about the game. But um, <laughs> I'm honoured. Um, yeah, we, we all called penalty. But yeah, I think I think when you saw it back, the initial sort of contact, as they always say, was out just outside the box. But what what know. made me laugh on the commentary was um, like how ridiculously biased Brian Moore and Ron really Atkinson are. I mean, they're going definitely a penalty. Then the other one, the England one at the other end, the free kick that leads to the goal that Koeman takes the free kick twice. I think that is a penalty because <laughs> I think the second touch it's gets slightly inside the box. The box that, yeah. and, they're going, and they're going, definitely not a penalty. Definitely not a penalty. And I was like, wow, like you really wouldn't. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think people were like that in the World Cup because you've got to remember that people in... I don't Scotland have a problem Island. with that. I don't have a problem with that. Though. I think, you know, who's going to get upset about that? that well, if I watched, I've watched, I lived in Ireland briefly and I used to watch games there and rugby or football or whatever was on and they would give it, give it large if they they were winning or whatever I'm sure it's the same in Germany and France and you know I mean as long as you're not slagging off the opposition or being xenophobic I don't think there's anything wrong with saying you know uh, do you get annoyed with people like um you know Phil Thompson on Soccer Saturday who refers to Liverpool constantly as us and not we. really no, no, no I think I, I've, I like never had a pre- yeah. I've never had a problem with that what gets me with that is football fans getting upset with that I mean I know, I know people United fans that would go I hate Stephen Gerrard. I hate Steve. He fucking hates us. And and I think, well, yeah. Well, what's wrong with that? Yeah, he shouldn't. Well, yes. wouldn't yeah. Want, yeah, he wouldn't want it any other way. I mean, you know, I wouldn't. If, if Kevin Gallagher his... did Soccer Saturday and and said we all the time, I'd be like, well, yeah, he's he's QPR through and through. I, I don't really see an issue. Phil Thompson yeah. is a Liverpool. George Best used to be really biased when he did it. Yeah, Soccer Saturday I think it's. I think it's. I think it's great. I saw Peter Davenport tweeting something about United the other day. And he was almost referring to United as we, and I thought, well, that's very generous because he he had a pretty miserable time at United, but he was still he still obviously felt part of the club. And let's, and, let's you know, not talk about where he got sold to. <laughs> Oh, well, okay. and then yeah, sneak and then a barrel link in there anyway. Scored oh, against, scored God. against, scored he against our, us on January the second. He was our record signing at the time. I think three yeah. quarters of a million quid, and he was yeah. absolutely diabolical. And who did he score his first goal against? What was it against Man United? Yeah, we United beat Liverpool New Year's Day, January first, nineteen eighty nine. Game far too late. Um, beat Liverpool three one live on the TV, and then at the quirk of it fixtures back then was because it was a probably a Friday New Year's Day the next day was being a Saturday everyone had to play again so United went up to Middlesbrough and got beaten 1-0 courtesy of Peter Davenport oh that's good well, we've got and, something to cling uh, on to but, of... he obviously, but he obviously still thinks of himself as a United player the way he's the way he tweets. I've got no but... issue, I, I've got no issue with that at all I mean, no I, I think I think it's I think it's hypocritical it's like when a fan when fans give players stick and then they score and they give it back and then they get all offended. I yeah. thought, oh, come on. Yeah, none of us, are, we all know what it's like going to matches. You, all right, you give I've, it got, and you I've take... got the other side of this coin. What about players who don't celebrate against their former clubs? Depends. Well, that's just as ridiculous. De- well, I think. Can't, yes and well, no. I, I mean, well, I mean, unless they've, yeah, a certain... long time, a long, if, if Steve and Gerrard celebrated against Liverpool, you'd be a bit like, hmm, that's weird. But like I remember, yeah, Sean I when, when Sean Mike Phillips scored the winner at Stamford Bridge for QPR when we were in the Premier League, and he didn't celebrate, and I was like, "A, you were there for like two years or whatever, and B, you never bloody played." So yeah, I blame yeah. Robbie. I blame Robbie Keane for that. I mean, yeah. there, there loads of players. You got to remember years ago. Again, going back seventies, eighties, a lot of players used to go. I mean, uh, Beardsley went to Everton, mm. didn't he, from Liverpool, and I remember him scoring uh, for Everton and, and celebrating. I mean, if that was now, he'd be absolutely. 
shot down for that, but he, I don't think it was anything personal. He, he scored an Merseyside derby and he wanted to celebrate. That's you want to be happy, happy about celebrating and scoring a goal. And there's one thing about celebrating and scoring a goal, but there's another thing. You're not necessarily rubbing it in. It's no, just... if you run up to the crowd and give it... Addy by all style, yeah. Give it the bird, then, yeah, fair enough. But even then... No, I think it's brilliant. I mean, even and on the other hand, I remember Kevin Sheedy scoring a goal at the cop free kick in the mid eighties, and he did give. He just ran up to the cop and gave it the bees, and then running back down the Kevin roadside, <laughs> he he flicked them two or three times for good measure. And I I like that, and I don't think any. I mean, it's spoken about a lot up here, and I don't know any Liverpool fan that's ever been absolutely horrified by it. I think they probably next time they played each other. They, and Liverpool beat them they probably gave him the bird back but I, I think we live in an age now though where everybody is offended by everything exactly. people are looking yeah. for the lane well, you, were, you were the one that said you were offended by commentators being biased no I didn't I just asked the question oh, alright I thought you I, think, yeah. I going, thought you were going back to the commentators I think it's nice that they sound like they're just in the front room like talking to each other I mean at one point Ron Atkinson says Brian is that not a sending off offence like he, want, he needs clarity yeah. in a, it's, but, it's but like a this was a, like this a cozy was isn't it but this was an era when commentary I mean we've spoken about this before but people like Brian Moore and Barry Davis and more so those two um, were very they just they were broadcasters weren't they David mm. Coleman they were just sort of, they sort of, they didn't they weren't full of sound bites they didn't have all this sort of pre-loaded uh, material that, that gags and, and you know I mean I remember the 91 Cup Winners Cup final I've watched that so many times that I could recite the commentary but Brian Moore was so biased in that because United go tune it up and then Cooman pulls one back with a free kick that goes in off the ceiling. And for the last 10 minutes, it's like the Alamo and United are defending for their lives. And a couple of times, Brian Moore is saying, get that away, get that away. And, and Greavesy's chiming in there saying, yeah, kick it out. The ref will only add on half the time and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's great because that's obviously that's what how they felt. They wanted United to win. But I mean, now you just, like Joel said, there would be, There'd be outcry if. Uh... But we were chatting. I remember, you know, one of one of the more famous calls of Harry Carpenter's career is Bruno against Tyson when he and that's 1989 as well. Ash, sorry, but he, he shouts, <laughs> Brian, yeah, "Come on, out. Frank! Come yeah. on, Frank!" <laughs> it's like, oh, blimey, okay. But you know, that's probably remembered that partisan ship. I think. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I haven't I got really... an issue. Like I say, you don't. You know, if you're calling for other t- teams to get beaten or you know an anti nationality yeah I'm not well, not for that but no not, I've got a problem with uh, with pundits or commentators being a bit a bit uh, a bit biased I think it I think it makes for a more interesting world mm. well let's talk second half then as we were um, you saw Taylor incensed on the touchline at this point um, wearing that beautiful tracksuit that now you can buy for like 150 odd pound but at the time was, was just a lovely tracksuit and I remember we'll talk about this later on and, and at some point we'll do a watch along the the documentary that followed this campaign that was aired in the january i remember him saying to the referee at this point that referee's just cost me my job I tell your mate tell your mate he's just cost me my job yeah brilliant it's a brilliant brilliant scene of that uh, we'll talk more about that in a bit but um so yeah as we've already mentioned so literally i did this is the thing i forgot about this match these two incidents how close together they were so he like so we all agree it probably wasn't a penalty but at the same time there's no defense for the referee that cooman should have gone Oh, he absolutely should. Have. I mean, I don't think we, we discussed that, did we? We were yeah. talking about it being a penalty. It was the most blatant red Cynical, card. Cynical, professional. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think Cooman would deny it in fairness. He didn't. Because when, right um, 
when he came to Everton, people were saying, you know, not, you know, it's tongue in cheek, but people were like, oh, you know, he cost England, giving him grief. And I was thinking, he probably wouldn't deny it. He probably said, I fully expected to get sent off. And I was surprised that I didn't. I don't think Cooman could have, I don't think anyone was more surprised than Cooman when he looked around and didn't see a red card. Oh. So You took the words yeah. literally out of his mouth. He's, I've got a quote here that I found earlier. said, I expected the red card. I turned around and was surprised to see the referee had not sent me off. I was lucky. After the foul, I was busy gesticulating that the defence had taken place outside the box to avoid him giving a penalty. But I was able to see and able to play an important role later on. I realised the result could have been very different had I been sent off, which of course leads to literally four minutes later, um, a free kick on the edge of the box that was given away by Gary Palace and as we already said, could have well been a penalty as well. Um, Koeman takes the first one, which is more of a kind of sort of a blaster of a shot that hits the wall. But, um, Paul Ince is then deemed to have come out of the wall too fast. He's booked for... Encroached, I think, is the... Encroachment. Yeah, 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 that encroachment. You don't hear that word ever used great in any word. other walk yeah, of life. No. I'm going to try and use that somewhere else in life. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a thing like words that you only hear in football. Yeah, encroachment. Yeah, encroachment is definitely, is, is definitely one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's that about? It's like when, like, like another thing, like blokes Rem- become interested in architecture when it comes to football stadiums. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, and network. Then they can cities. tell you all about wonderful towers and Doric curves and Doric arches and all this sort of stuff. In what, have, like, what, in what other industry do you rise like a salmon as well when trying to head a ball? I mean, it's... <laughs> there is a, there is a book there is a book called um, that I've got somewhere called uh, Over the Moon, Brian, which deals with the language of football. Oh, which, considering we're discussing a game that Brian Moore commentated on, it's uh, that's very apt. so it's quite it's but that's quite an interesting book if you want to. I think read, someone's think done one cultures. quite recently, actually, along the same lines, but in all over the world. So not just here, but like like Tom Williams, I think his name is. He's, he's usually on the Totally Football Show. Um, not plug another football podcast, but yeah, he, he's done one similar to that. Um, but yeah, so Koeman uh, takes this second free kick and it's that famous line from Brian Moore. He's gonna Brian flick Moore one. turns into Mr. Meg, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he did he's literally... Gonna flick it. He's he, going to flick it. He literally flicks one. I mean, In quest- fairness to Brian Moore, we all thought the same. Well, again. questions over Dave Seaman's positioning for this one. I mean... I think that as well, yeah. When I was watching it today, I was like, he's leaning too far to yeah. his right when really, you know, but he thinks he's got it covered. But just as the shot comes in, he, 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 he sort of, he is leaning too, too far one way and yeah, he's not right. Yeah, it's a bit of a gape. I mean, not one to question easily the best goalkeeper of the decade for England, but yeah, the position there wasn't great. So Koeman, you know, becomes a villain at the piece and then hero of the piece for Holland. England backs to the wall from that point then and they try and go in and get an equaliser. They bring Ian right on, doesn't work. And then... Dennis Burkham, the man who wasn't in great form, as Brian Moore already said, um, slots one home, 2-0. And that's pretty much England's qualifying campaign over, although there was another round of games, which is we'll talk about probably about at some point with the uh, famous San Marino instant, but that's for another week. Um, Taylor said after the game, I lost the plot because I honestly and truthfully felt that England were being cheated in a vital game for the country. That was the worst I've ever been on a touchline, but that is one time I end up on film, so that's what people remember. That film, as I referenced earlier, was was called um, Graham Taylor, The World's Most Impossible Job, um, later called Do I Not Like That as well. Um, Joel, you, as our TV man, uh, what do you remember about this doc- We'll do a watch along at some point, but what, what do you remember about the documentary that was based on this campaign? Well, it's all... <laughs> It hadn't happened before, and it's very unlikely to happen again. I think, unless it's completely got, uh, yeah, unless it's less Amazon behind it or yeah. uh, something well, like that. Oh, I tell you what, we must. I think there's only about eight adverts on eleven, and that Amazon one for the Manchester City thing is one of them. I, I, I'm so tired of hearing Pep Guardiola say, "We are so close." 
So close. <laughs> it's like all the time, and it's sort of become a bit of a bugbear in the office. Well, I tell you what, that, that penalty wasn't so close on uh, no, Sunday afternoon. I know that. It's very bad that one, it, Mares. Still yeah, going, they're still going it, that penalty. I thought Pep Guardiola was on yeah, the I think line. It's, I think it's probably hit Chris Waddles and the both <laughs> 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 just in different orbits around the moon, like space junk. Chris Waddle, something. who wasn't picked for this game because Graham Taylor didn't like him. Yeah, go on. I mean, come on. So he played, what, it was Ince on the one side? And Palmer. Well, Andy, Palmer. Andy Sinton came on at half-time, which I'm not going to defend. Um, as much as I love Andy Sinton, he was no Chris Waddle. But yeah, the impossible job, Josh. Yeah, it was. You wouldn't get anybody sort of near that near that again. And I, I imagine this, and I'm saying the Manchester City all or nothing thing, but I can imagine that's same. a very homogenised. Yeah, the club had polished. the final say over yeah. what what went in. Whereas I, I can't imagine anybody letting that sort of happen now, especially with that and with Premier passions, um, the two of them sort of hand in hand. You can't see anybody letting anything near anybody near anything. And if they did, they would be doing it for themselves so the club or the FA could make the money and get the notoriety. But they certainly then wouldn't throw their own managers, staff, players, etc. under the bus. So it's probably a more frank time. And like you said with there with that quote from Taylor, you know, that was that was what everybody remembers him for because that was the time, you know, that was the time there was a camera there. Um, I think he comes out of it as quite a sympathetic yeah. man, but not good enough which I think is entirely what, what he was, was really yeah, at that level. Yeah. yeah, but I think I think you do sort of sympathise, but at the same time you go, yeah, but I mean, who put him in charge in the first place, you know, when he clearly was making these wacky decisions. And, and, and when he sort of unravels a bit within it, uh, you can tell it's that it's a man who sort of is completely sort of out of his depth at that point and the chickens are coming home to roost, really. But we weren't, you know, at the same time, were we really good enough then? It's just as the Premier League's dawning. I think he took over just after Robson, didn't he, in 1990. Yeah. So it wasn't, it was, you know, England are just coming out of the uh, shadows of every of everything, you know, the dark times of the European, uh, you know, being banned from Europe. So it wasn't like a, a great set of players to guess. Are you going to contradict me now, Matthew? Well, well, no, on, no, Matthew. no. Well, no, I'm not going to contradict you at all. I agree with you with the show. I think it was a very naive decision I think I bet you Ash has got a, a quote lined up from Taylor because there's a famous he basically came out afterwards didn't he and say he should never have done it he was sort of sold a, a bit of a pop really I think they sort of dressed it up as being a bit of a behind the scenes fly on the wall a bit more sort of a sort of intellectual documentary rather than the sensationalist program that it became so I think he he did it he agreed it to might, in good it faith might, it might have been <laughs> They got lucky, didn't they, with the campaign that yeah, they had? You get, yeah. It's like... Um, wrestling with um, Shadows. Wrestling with Shadows yeah. is exactly what I was going <laughs> to say. Is that Wrestling with Shadows is just a documentary about Bret Hart, and then at the end of it, you get the Montreal Screwjob, and it becomes this enormously important bit of work in wrestling. Well, there was, I suppose it's kind of quite a similar thing. There was one with, Q, there's one with QPR, wasn't there, a few years ago? Four That's really yeah. good. Now, that, that, they couldn't have planned for that, surely. Oh, no. I mean, there, I mean some they, of the stuff that happened that season. I mean, again, but again, that was quite... Raw and behind the scenes. I think so they knew who, the, you know, given who the owners were coming in, Flavio Briatore, you know, as eccentric as he was, and I think they had a suspicion that it was going to be fun in terms of what was yeah. the final product. And I know the guys firsthand who did that, and they said the amount of footage they had to cut on the cutting room floor that they wish they could yeah. show. Is but amazing. again, we we're saying, oh, you wouldn't get away with that now. But I mean, there have been 
examples I'm, of it happening. I'm surprised that wasn't since. bigger. I think because, you know, we're not a massively a big club. I don't think it got them attention it should have because it's it's fascinating documentary for any yeah, like fan. Yeah. yeah, it's great. I haven't watched I watched it at the time and sort of was thinking, wow, what's this? And I've never actually gone back and watched it again properly. I should do because I remember at the time thinking it was, it was fascinating. But, I mean, talking about these behind-the-scenes documentaries, we're obviously forgetting the greatest one that there's ever been filmed. Oh, inside United, yeah. inside United, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that broke the that broke the mold for all these. these there was programs. that documentary about that team in the Midlands um, that was on every week on Sky. What was that, Ash? Uh, Dream Team, I believe. Yeah, Dream that, Team. Yeah. That was that, that documentary. documentary. Yeah. A lot happened in Harchester, didn't it? <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad that somebody committed it to film. Yeah, no, it was, it was lucky. Enough. We haven't mentioned yet that Matthews was hanging around with one of uh, the Dream Team alumni. Yeah, we mentioned that last week. Yeah, yeah, we did. You, you were too drunk, too, too drunk to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me. I've even gone back and listened to it because I don't know that pissed. So oh, you've got you got more drunk than more sober you got somehow. Unless, oh, uh, unless you get to the, the shop uh, midway through. It was the Janino effect, I think. I got him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was the Janino yeah. thing. I think I, I was a bit I, giddy. I, I thought when we started recording tonight's show, you'd still be... Waxy lyrical about Mourinho, uh, Mourinho, Janino. Janino. Uh, yeah, wow. don't oh, wax lyrical about him. I was, I was just, I was just high on the love for my Sao Paulo darling. Yeah. A little bit of LSD was all I needed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There was a little debate that tried to be ga- get going on Twitter, wasn't there, between him and Kid Gladzi from our. Uh, my, I mean, it's list. not even a contest, is it? Let's be honest. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, anybody in the land will tell you that's not a contest. But, uh, you know, I respect our MC uh, FC shirts man, and he's not going to back down, and neither am I. So that's so. But people were trying to egg a fight between us. There was like, yeah, that's not happening. No. No, both if, if, if we can just go back to Graham Taylor, what I was going to say was not only I think Graham Taylor, he came out of it looking a bit naive, yeah. but a decent man. But I tell you what, it didn't make the others in that uh, group look particularly good either did it I mean, well, Laurie Phil McMenemy was, the was famous, quite yeah Phil yeah. Neil, yeah and Laurie McMenemy was a bit sort of throwing him under a bus a few times and you know they didn't all of them just looked like they didn't know what they were doing um, well, Phil you know, it what... seemed like quite looking back at that sort of bench and his staff uh, not the players on the bench but his staff I was like oh that's a motley crew in it that's a ragtag mm. bunch yeah. and I... now it looks like they they are the actual dinosaurs of football Back in the day, back in the day, you know, and, and something had to change because what was going on with with that sort of, and you know, Taylor went on and did lots more after that, you know. But um, and he actually signed. Did, did Taylor sign John DeWolf for Wolves? Who was uh, playing in that I game? Think, I think he might have done. Yeah. Talk about nominative determination, yeah. right? He Moses. I mean, he was always going to go there. I think it was in the season where we were battling to go up with them. And he was playing for them then, so it was quite, I only just realised that. Well, Phil Neal um, is the, yeah. uh, when they did that, also Mike Bassett, England manager, the film that was in the, was it 2000s? Uh, that was kind of yeah. based on Graham Taylor and Bradley Walsh was the, the Phil Neal character, wasn't he? It was really, mm. uh, that was kind of what Phil Neal was known for after that, because he didn't really do a lot after I mean, he managed, was it Coventry and Man City? Coventry City, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Didn't really do a lot after that. Um, he was yeah. a bit of a firefighter, wasn't he? He used to yeah. come in and sort of try and save teams that were going down. Well, one thing I, I just wanted that did strike me is obviously Taylor comes across as a, as a real nice guy and everyone that I know that met him said that's the case. But it's that great line when John Barnes is getting the stick from the crowd in the uh, San Marino game, is it, at Wembley and uh, Graham Taylor turns around and starts yeah. remonstrating with them and saying, remonstrating, that's another word that you only... There you go, that's a good one. <laughs> 
and he you know saying that he's a human being and you know just yeah, it's great isn't it it's just to, just to see him sort of not having any of it and yeah. and sticking really, up he worked with him for sort of 10 years but yeah. 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 yeah so they went back a long time i bet i bet colin palmer doesn't like it just for the fact that everyone ever since has called him carlton carlton <laughs> Because I did it when we interviewed him on the show. So, but yeah, we'll yeah. do we'll do a watch along at some point. The full because I didn't realise this until I was researching it earlier. The it was first broadcast in January '94 on Channel Four. Um, six million people watched, but the VHS, which I've still got in in my office somewhere, was released later that year and was 77 minutes long. So it was like another half an hour longer. It was like an extended cut. Which uh, so yeah, we'll do that at some point. Um, maybe when the the anniversary, because it'll be 25 years in January since that was first screened. So maybe we'll do that. Um, in the new year um, but let's move on to um, a rather more memorable note for England um, it was the 11th October 1997 so I'm sure you'll see this on your Twitter feeds today you'll probably listen to this we're recording on the Wednesday night so this will be the following day so I'm sure you'll see this all over Twitter and social media tomorrow um, it's England in Rome um, this is again England going to the uh, to the final. This was the actual final game of the qualifying for France '98, needing a point. Um, Italy had beaten England already in the reverse fixture. You'll remember Jerome Frecozola scoring at Wembley past Ian Walker, um, but during the two two meetings in between, Italy had uh, dropped points against Poland and surprisingly against Georgia, meaning that England only needed a point going into this one. Um, Joe, what do you, do you remember the build-up to this one? I mean, this was a very different England team, more, as you say, that's transitional before. This was very much an England team we believed in, didn't we? This is like the modern side, isn't it? This yeah. is probably the height of Glenn Hoddle's run as um, in- England manager. Um, we, I think, we didn't we just talk about this recently? Um, we, 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 so I think we talked about... We, what we did talk about, well, we did talk about it recently, funnily enough, but what we spoke about was how that England team with Hoddle was probably one of the greatest teams in recent decades that didn't really uh, perform. We were talking about how, you know, you had Ince and Fowler and Wright and Shearer and Owen and, and all the all the team, all the players that came along in that era that um, failed to sort of... It never happens for one reason or another. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so I think that's what we were chatting about, that about night, along with a load of... It was, it was so, I mean, and, and the thing that, and this is so stupid, and I think we've mentioned it before, but Sky showing the Italian job with it. Yes, of course, yeah. It's the bit that always sticks in my head that they had it as a double bill. They were going to, and, and it was, they were only going to show the Italian job after the match if England had qualified, <laughs> which I kind of, it was like there were two things in the balance then, you know, and I bet there was some, ty- I bet there was some tired people going into work the next day, staying up till one o'clock and watching uh, the Italian job. If you got films like that that you've just got to watch if they come on the telly, yeah, definitely. Um, like it just doesn't matter like what sort of time of day it is or whatever. You just got to sit. like I've, I've got Withnail and I on DVD and I haven't watched it on DVD in about three years. But if it's on the telly, I've got to sit and watch the whole bloody thing. Goodfellas is a shocker for that. Yeah, that's it's like three hours long, long yeah. as well. It's a bit more modern, but The Hangover, if I ever see The Hangover on there, that, I tend to not be able to switch channels, even though it doesn't even make just, me laugh anymore. But just, I just... just basically just don't ever put on ITV2, Ash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't do, I tend ever. not to do that anyway. Well, you, what do you mean you don't want to watch Hot Fuzz again? <laughs> uh, I don't want to watch, uh, what's that horrible football show that I watched the other day? Um, it's a quiz show. Oh, we were talking about it, weren't we, with Tim Vine? Yeah, right, yeah, because it's quiz ball. Yeah, oh, well, yes, that's what we were talking about last week. It's yeah. essentially quiz ball, yeah. And Sam Quek's just there for some just, reason. Yeah, I think QPR were the team on it last night. When I'm still not going to watch it. I'm not going to do it. Fair enough. <laughs> Playing green at the uh, Right, this, this game, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of everything you want from an England performance, isn't it, really? It's, it's, it's the sort of qualities that England are 
sort of, if you were to ask England fans, what are they associated with? More than skill, more than panache, it's sort of grit and determination. Mm. And kind of that's it's what... Not how in, we want our England players to be still, even though, you know, there's that little bit of everyone that wants this sort of England team, don't they? Just, you know, football's moved on. We look at the team that Gareth Southgate has, the squad that he's picked. But I think every football fan is a little bit in us that wants... The leaders, I think, that you know, you, look at, you go down the team: Adams, Campbell, Southgate, Lasso, Batty. A couple of couple of ugly ones in there as well, just couple for Joel. Of, yeah, he's there. Well, yeah, well, I don't know. yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to name names. I'll let you, you know, come to your own conclusion. But... Balanced out by David Beckham, in fairness. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, Matthew. This is I'm... what I was going to ask. Somebody will know. Was it Glenn Hoddle that made Beckham captain? No, Peter Taylor. Was it? Wow. Yeah, okay. his... Caretaker game. One game. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that the picture of them oh, together. Right. But, uh, Beckham had a bald head at that point, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, so I mean, we've set up the game nicely. I mean, the story again, we're all familiar with. But Matthew, as somebody who used to cheer Mr. Ince on um, at Man United, this has he doesn't ever... mean I, doesn't mean I liked him. I'm not I'm not saying you have to, but has he <laughs> excuse ever? Excuse me, a... excuse me, excuse me. He played somewhere else as well. You yeah, know. not as well though. I have to be honest. Well, who didn't Who didn't play for United that then wound up in uh, that football in back, backwater? You've already mentioned Peter Davenport. Genuinely, 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 Clayton Blackmore as well. Um, yeah, Gary Walsh and, and Walsh and yeah. Robson. Well, Pallister yeah. was our player originally. Yeah. Um, I always expected Beckham to come and play at the Borough, and I know that sounds absolutely it outrageous, now, but yeah. ridiculous. But I always thought, oh, he'll come to us like in the end when he's thirty-nine or something, forty. He'll come and play like one season at Borough, and then that'll be that. I always expected that. It's a, it's a bit like Everton now, isn't it? You know that Scott McTominay is going to play for Everton in a couple of years' time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know? You know, like when a young kid comes starts out in football, and his dad goes down the bookies and puts a tenner on it, like twenty thousand like, to one uh, that he's going to win the World Cup. Who, who, who's done that? Butland, and Emil Heskey's dad did that. I might ask my friends at Betfair what price Scott McTominay is to eventually you know, play for Everton in the next what, three yeah. years. He will definitely play for Everton. Yeah, along with, yeah, <laughs> definitely. He's the Darren Gibson of the modern era. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, as long as he doesn't crash his car, exactly, and, and slag Fine. off his own fans. Um, yeah. Paul Ince, has he ever had a finer moment in an England shirt, Matthew, than this night in Rome? That's a good question. I don't think so. Well, not not in the not sort of in the public eye. No, I mean he may have had a, he might personally tell you he's played a better game. But in terms of you know blood, sweat, and blood as, and rain as it was that night, um, no, I think that was his. Well, it was definitely it was his Terry Butcher moment, wasn't it? But it's not um, only that he was involved in pretty much everything. You know, obviously the incident on 13 minutes where he gets that injury of, after an elbow from Albertini, and then Paolo Maldini goes off injured. That is during a tackle between him and Paul Ince. Ince has the best chance, arguably, of the whole game until injury time when he hits the ball straight at the keeper midway through the first half. He just seemed to be everywhere. And, of course, that image, yeah. the Terry Butcher, as you mentioned, of the 90s. Were of the... He, he was a brilliant player. I mean, don't oh, he forget. Was. He, was, he was a brilliant player. I mean, he, he was good at... I mean, he was 21 when United signed him and he'd been around for a bit before then. And United had their eye on him for quite a while. So he was a he was a brilliant midfield player and not noted for his scoring. For, for the first few years at United, he, really, he barely ever scored, but they should have got over that. And um, ah, he was a brilliant player. Um, again, did he perform for England a lot? Probably not. Like a lot of players don't play well for their club. They don't always play well for England all the time, but this was obviously, um, this was obviously one of those few occasions. How did Ince do as a player? 
at Inter Milan because he he kind of been there that long. Two seasons, like I think one, it was. Yeah, they, yeah, they worshipped him, I think, though, didn't yeah, they? I think they liked him. Yeah, they absolutely. Because if you ever watched that uh, anniversary show that James Richardson did about football Italia, he's on there and they say, he says how you know the the club and the chairman and the owners were absolutely determined to get him, and then when they did get him, they loved him, and he came, he had to come back, or there was a reason. He had to come back for personal reasons, his wife or something, and uh, he told them that he was going to come back, and they were desperately trying to um, persuade him to change his mind. And um, it surprised me because I think when we, when he went there, everyone at the time, maybe a bit unfairly, assumed he wouldn't get on with it, and he wasn't that the sort of player to play abroad. But from by all accounts, he sort of he won everybody over, and yeah, fair play to him. And then so, he went to, then he went to Liverpool, and he yeah. was all sort of seen as being he's going to be the player that wins Liverpool League because they were always seen as having a soft centre at that time where it was going to be Ince was going to come in and he was going to be scrappy and tackle and let yeah. all the other players do all their flair and you know and it never quite happened we're well, talking to players not being afraid to celebrate against their old club I remember him scoring an equaliser against United at Anfield, Anfield yeah, going mad Two-two, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and he—he didn't forget. In fact, I wouldn't hold that against him. He's always said that I played for Liverpool. I scored an equaliser at the cop in the last minute. What do you expect me to do? And I think, yeah, I've got yeah. absolutely no problem with that at all. Mm. If I was a Liverpool fan and he didn't celebrate, I'd be more annoyed, to be honest. Oh, that well, that would be. I mean, especially with Liverpool and Manchester United relations, yeah. that would be a bit of a do for him, wouldn't it? Yeah, and was that not the game that nearly cost United the league? Yeah. That was when they were, it they were came down to that last yeah. last yeah. week, wasn't it? When they had to, you know, pretty much it went to the last game of the season. Yeah, no, I remember that yeah. game very very vividly. Um, do you know what I completely forgot about this game, Joe? I don't know if you remembered it when you watched it back. The fighting between the fans on just before. Yeah, half-time. I saw that. I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah, which is just. I don't know. I think maybe it's one shock, of them shock got, horror. Yeah, England fans yeah, exactly. fighting in it. British English fans went to. Uh, Italy and there was a fight and yeah and, yeah it's um, this, this, remember, remind me this game was a Saturday night wasn't it yeah, no think, it was a Wednesday wasn't it no it was a Saturday night well, the home game the, weekend, the home yeah. game the home game England lost 1-0 and that was a Wednesday the, this one was a way this one was a Saturday night well I, I never I remember it vividly because I was at university in Bristol and it was sort of on yep, all Saturday the yeah. pubs um, and I was thinking this today and you could probably shoot me down here but is it me or did it seemed to be that back in the old days, in the nineties, and it, England seemed to their qualification campaigns always seemed to come down to this big crunch game at yeah. the end. Whereas oh, now, yeah. now it seems, I mean, I suppose the only way you could, yeah. the only way you could, the only one that's similar now is the, is the McLaren one in 06. But again, that was a fair few years ago. But now it just seems to be, um, it's all over and done and dusted. Whereas I probably got fa- hazy memories and probably through roast into spectacles there would always seem to be a qualifier against Poland or against uh, I think England against... have been lucky in more recent times with the qualifying groups they've been given for sure um, I don't think we especially with our seeding as well I'm sure that in the 90s our seeding wasn't as high as it is now and the FIFA rankings were very different in the 90s as they were now um, I remember a game I think we must have been the qualifier for Euro 92 where we had to beat Poland yes Poland yeah. Gary Lineker scored from uh, from a well, not from a corner, but it was a corner went into the box and it was a scrappy goal. Um, yeah. uh, that was quite late on. I remember running around my living room and that went in. So yeah, that was another one that went. You quite... weren't you weren't in some Bedouin tent or some. No, um... Never do a tent. No. 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 no, no. no electric. No, just a just a log cabin. Yeah. yeah. No electric. No ash. Um, so he's not a, he's not a savage. Yeah, I'm not a savage. Don't, <laughs> don't do camping. 
Um, but yeah, Matt, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it. I think I mean, well, obviously been... you had the '92 one. You had the um, '94 one. Well, when we've just talking, yeah. just spoken about um, Euro '96. Obviously qualified. To, uh, and then even for 2000, we had the playoff with Scotland. So, yeah, I think... Every, oh, yeah, they had yeah. the Greece, the Greece oh, of playoff course, yeah, as well. Um, a couple of years after that. that. That is probably the best moment, if, if you're of our age, of being an England fan, is David Beckham against Greece in the with the last kick of the game. That was glorious. And that was a Saturday. I can, tell you, yeah, yeah. I can tell you where I was for that one. one. It was the day that I started my first proper... Well, not first, but good Saturday job for... I thought you were uh, going to say, not the paper round. No, not the paper round. I was working for JD Sports in Blue Water in Kent. It was my first day, and I, oh, horribly that it was on the single game, but I, I managed to wangle my lunchtime for the second half, and I watched it in the Sony shop, which isn't there anymore, on the top floor. And when Beckham scored that free kick, two of these guys celebrated so much that the TVs off the stand fell and broke. Amazing. And they just ran out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that forever. Oh, no. Was that you? Was that you listening? Anybody out there? Yeah, was did that you break you? the TVs? Sony tellies in, uh, in Blue Water in, in Kent. Blue Water in Kent. <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. I was in the Southfield in Middlesbrough and we raffled off. I got this enormous, and I mean enormous, like joke England shirt sent to me from Umbro when I was working at the magazine I used to work at. And um, I mean, it was, there's a picture of me somewhere and I'll try to dig it out, but there's three of us in this England shirt. And I sort of went and raffled that off. And then we got like about 200 quid for charity for it. And some lad won it. And then we went to the see the charlatans on the night. So that and, was, and spent oh, the 200 quid. Yeah. Uh, no, mate. No, that's one thing I <laughs> never put. No, my, I'm only joking. Put my hand in the pot with anything like that. Christ me. Uh, you know, maybe if it wasn't for a charity, I actually cared about it, perhaps. <laughs> hey, country boy. Ching. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, good to, uh, that night, from what I remember. I mean, yeah, uh, that, was a, that was a memorable day. Um, going back to this game, more 90s, keeping it 90s, um, it, we mentioned the chances and the Paul Ince, but it's the final kind of moments of this game that everyone remembers. Ian Wright going around, uh, Angelo Perusi hitting the post in the 92nd minute, and then the ball went straight up the other end, and Christian Vieri misses an absolute sitter of a header that just, it's David Seaman's beaten, but it goes past the post, and England, it ends nil-nil, England qualifier from the image of Glenn Hoddle dancing with his backroom staff on the touchline is is something um, that sort of stays in the memory. But, I mean, as we've already mentioned, what really, what went wrong for that England team other than David Beckham? Because they should, that is a, an England team that should have won something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for that, for the answer, see our show about, what, eight think, weeks ago or whatever. I think we, when we talked about Glenn Hoddle's um, well, we think we spoke about it a lot in the, the newspaper Cup, thing we? as well, didn't we? When we, t- yeah. we mentioned, you know, the famous Drury, yeah, and all that nonsense. But in, but in fairness, he'd had a crack before that, hadn't he? I mean, it wasn't that wasn't early in his England uh, career, was it? I mean, well, it wasn't. He, he obviously left, but I mean, he'd had the World Cup before that, so I mean, he'd, he'd had a he'd had a go at it, but um, mm. obviously came up against a decent Argentina team, I suppose, and. I don't know, but even if he, even with not with Hoddle in charge, I mean that group of players is still that group of players. So, you know, why anybody couldn't have taken them yeah. further than they did, I don't know. But yeah. I think well, what they've said, what they've said since is, isn't it, is that there wasn't the togetherness. Southgate said that the Liverpool players hated the Manchester United players, the Manchester United players hated the Liverpool players, the Tottenham players hated the Arsenal players, everybody hated everybody else, and then the rest of them from the other clubs were just kind of sitting there going, "Oh, this is fun." So mm-hmm. that sort of togetherness was was never there, and I think that was something that we saw in the last World Cup. Of course, who yeah. was there? Yeah. The other thing I forgot about this game was that um, Italy went down to ten men as well. 
These things yes. are just, yeah, Angelo Delivio sent off for two bookable uh, offences, um, the second one on Sol Campbell on the 76th minute and saw red. So, uh, yeah, the, the little, um, obviously the, the last five minutes, you'll remember the, the fighting and that's enough to sort of escape my memory. Uh, I found a quote from Paul Ince going back to his uh, cut on his head that you wouldn't see in modern day football. Is this the Gascoigne thing? Uh, no, I, I couldn't find that quote, but there is there is something about Gascoigne, isn't there? Gascoigne said Gascoigne went up to him as soon as the the got oh, the draw yes. the game and said you look like a painted kidney. Dodgy old tones there, Paul. But they, uh, yeah. they, they the classic as a but he says about the actual incident I remember coming off and the doctor said it would take half an hour to put the stitches in I wasn't thinking about the cut I was just thinking about getting back on the pitch I didn't want to let him just down with 10 men Glenn Hoddle was going mad saying get him back on get him back on they just patched it up with a bandage and then at half time I had a couple more stitches and it was alright so you wouldn't see that today would you it wouldn't happen the blood on the shirt that you tried the shirt off, and off with a head injury and yeah. yeah which is you know for a, there are Obviously, the image of no one really wants to see that image of Terry Butcher and Paul Ince because it could lead to complications in the future. But there is kind of on the flip side that again going back to that blood and thunder of England. But um, yeah, and that led us to France '98. That was uh, you know Glenn Hoddle's pinnacle before it all went wrong in that famous interview which we mentioned we talked about before. England topped the group ahead of Italy, um, and then Italy went into the playoffs and did eventually qualify for World Cup '98. Um, so yeah, I mean those two games, International Week, I wanted to talk about. Um, the only other anniversary I was, was going to sl- quickly mention before we go, um, I tweeted this out earlier today. It's the 26 years ago today since Gladiators was on our TV screens, and of course there's a football link. John Fashionu, a wooger indeed, the word he invented was a presenter. Again, going to Joel because he's our TV man. What what are your favourite memories of Gladiators? Yeah, a wooger. A wooger indeed. Remember, I just remember that. Um day-to-day thing where it was, you know, John Fashanu, John Fashanu, John Fashanu, John Fashanu, and then Chris Morris comes on and says, so that's a programme about John Fashanu <laughs> that will be on it. Um, but yeah, that was just, I mean, because I was watching wrestling then. Of course. And it was clearly sort of, it wanted that sort of wrestling pizzazz and silliness that was going on. And it was just very sort of silly, knockabout fun. If anything, it's kind of infected is the wrong word, but it certainly influenced a lot of those big arena room shows from there, where, you know, the sort of choreographed booing, choreographed yeah. cheering, you know, that goes on with Ninja Warrior and uh, those sorts of shows now, which are basically, you know, son of Gladiator. Yeah, the rip-off Gladiator. I mean, the fact, did it go for like seven years or something? Yeah, like eight years, eight years. Yeah, I mean... Because Jeremy Gasker eventually replaced John Fashion, who wasn't as good and didn't have a wooger. Well, no, because he, he there wasn't. There's always the thing with Jeremy Guskert that he's probably thinking he's a little bit above that. Yeah, exactly. It was a bizarre choice for a presenter that was. Whereas they all kind of knew they were taking part in this sort of campy, uh, campy pantomime almost thing. I've told you before. I'll get your die on if you want. If you want Jet on, oh. I'll give her a shout. She's a pal of mine. I'm made lovely, lovely. Jet. Jet. I mean. If you could handle talking to a rash for like, <laughs> you know, a couple of minutes, or if you could put your phone on I, silent while you did talk to her, then, you know. You I, I, I have done an interview with her many moons ago for a, a weird retro 90s game and in my day job. And yeah, I met her and I was a little bit like, oh my God, it's Jet from Gladiators because she was, yeah, up there with Tiffany and Perfession as my crushes and Louise Nerding as a kid. Um, Hang on, keep it to uh, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it there. I'm leaving it there. Just saying childhood crushes. That's all I'm saying. Um, Matthew, Gladiators for you? I mean, to me, it was Staple Holt Saturday night. 
don't think I ever watched it. What? I was out. I was out on the air. I think. I mean, when did? Hang on a minute. Wait, let me just confirm. Because I used to watch the American. There was a thing. American Gladiators. Because it used to show American thing. Gladiators in the middle. It was about of the two night. o'clock, and it was on. Yeah, yeah. it was on that. Yeah. When, that... when I see. ITV had like regional late night, all night TV. Yeah, because we, no, we used to get we used to get yours. We used to get night shift, which was Granada's. Yeah, and we used and, to get that in Tiny So we'd get like American Gladiators, and we'd get a WCW Power Hour rest. But it was great because it, they actually had, yeah, they had actually had um, you know TV listings for the middle of the night. And if you could pick to pick up two or three regions, if you could pick up Central or whatever, yeah. um, there were different programs on, and then you'd have all the regional football highlights on a Saturday night sometimes so you could pick up you know the rare Granada highlights of a, if there was a Manchester derby or Central and um, yeah you'd have these random shows that were Phil Donahue show I used to watch and Hitman and Her Hitman and Her and um, yeah Michaela Strachan one... Michaela Strachan when they did the Hitman and Her in hang on a minute keep it WhatsApp Stockton <laughs> When they did the Hitman in her in Now, whether this is urban myth or what, I don't know. But the story was is that she got spiked with either acid or ecstasy mm-hmm. in, in Stockton. Yeah. So that I mean, was her excuse, yeah. yeah well, I bet yeah. that was a really wild show. Oh! My, she came on Sunday brunch once and I wasn't there. And I texted my mate Dan and I said, uh, I was Michaela Strachan. And he went, he went, he went for his temporary classes permanent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, keep it WhatsApp. But yeah. I like those. Uh, I, I do, you know, that sort of night shift because they just show these like weird sort of texts. Well, you, but like I say, you could them. you could plan your evening. Evening, but I mean, I was at an age there where you'd be staying up late or whatever, and you'd think, oh, Friday night you'd have blah blah blah. Saturday night, you'd have night network was on a Friday. Yeah, night. and you'd have think, a sort of show called Sledgehammer, like an American yeah, cop show. That, yeah. <laughs> um, Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, you'd have all yeah, you'd have all those, and then on Sunday night you'd have soap, that sort of comedy. Uh, you used to show an agent. You used to show like a Bollywood film every night, ITV yeah, on like yeah. Sunday night. It was like brilliant, that. and there was a thing called yeah, there was a thing called uh, Night Shift, where a guy that called that was in the, the Tony Hart show, who's called Mister Bennett, and he would go out and yeah, follow follow that. like follow like bin men round, you know, or people working on the roads at night time. Terrible. terrible. Well, it was, and, and of course, you had the cookery program. Uh, get stuffed. Was that the the one that was like essentially made by students. Students, yeah, cooking pasta and stuff. But yeah, it was, they were like doing like beans on toast. But ITV actually invested a lot of money in this because, and they'd have some of them would have actually have overnight presenters, and, and it was. I think so that because was, it was a novelty at first, and they thought, oh well, shift workers will watch this, and these well, people will watch this, and those people will watch it, and it just kind of. It just wasn't pulling in, which is now why you get the stupid fawning quiz shows. Oh, and then they, yeah. just go to, they just go to like a, this, that weird night screen thing. But it's like, that was not, me that, something. But that was where I got my first taste of gladiators. I remember watching that and thinking, "What the hell is this?" And it was—I don't know if you ever saw the American one. It was oh, a much yeah. lower. It was a much lower budget, yeah. and lower sort of, yeah. which is surprising. But it, it didn't really have the sort of—it didn't have the big arena. I think there was a, about three or four rows of an audience, and I remember watching it, thinking, "What the hell is this?" But it was. Strangely addictive. So by the time the English one came out, I thought... to 2000, the English one. Well, that's something else is going on. So Fashioner was still a, an active player when yeah, he was I'm hosting to, this. I, I was trying to find today why they chose him. It's a bit like, you know, at least Dion Dublin had a property um, pro, uh, sort of um, background when he'd done Home. Yeah, and Andy's, Andy does media, TV and radio yeah, work. John so Fashioner was just no, plucked I mean, I out of nothing. He was, I mean, he was still playing for Villa, I assume. And... Uh, from, yeah, he was at Villa at that point, yeah. 
Um, so um, video, yeah. did he leave because of the match fixing bit, or was that that later was, on? That was later on, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think he was coming to the end of his career. We thought he had a TV career in front of him, but he he, he didn't. I think he's something he did, to do with. He did go on. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here and and made us all laugh by talking about his focus. Yeah, he didn't. He isn't he something to do with the Nigerian FA now? I think. I no, think he... it, well, hold on. Wasn't he presenting? And I'm sure this is right. He was presenting the Nigerian version of Deal or No Deal. Oh no! That way. was genuinely the last I heard of him. Look yeah, he was. We talk about him. That was yeah, he was genuinely the last time I heard of him. That that yeah. sounds brilliant. That there must be a YouTube clip of that. It is. Yeah, no, I've seen it on YouTube. It definitely exists. He did do that Fash FC program. Yeah, on, which is with Quest crap. or yeah, one of Quest. Those. Was it? I don't think it was. Cause that's probably unfair on Quest. But Bravo it was on one of those or like that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on one of those early. Yeah, sort of I, think it on, I think it was on Bravo, if I remember rightly. If, if, if that was happening now, if that was happening now, Joel would definitely be working on that program. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I do, I'm working on. I'm working on UK skirmish. That's where I work. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go, kids. If you don't know Gladiators, check it out because it was very much part of Stablehood. The only thing I can link it to, because you mentioned wrestling there, Joel, that world of wrestling that's just finished on ITV, which was terrible. It um, wasn't very good, was it? Um, but that's the kind of thing, again, Saturday night, fun, Wolf. If you don't know who Wolf I is. I think the Gladiators, I think, if, I think if ITV weren't so transfixed on what WWE were doing and Gladiators in a weird way, that might have been all right. But uh, they were just transfixed on those two things thinking yeah. that's the only way to make things work but that's something for another podcast yeah. that i've never been on by the way we'll, we'll sort that out um I, I was part of the gladiators fan club as well i, I remember the pack used to get used, it was like a, the membership card as fan clubs used to have and then like uh, all these photographs you know the photographs you get in club shots but i don't think they do anymore but they used to be the, the players that look like them standing with their knees you know Heart bent on their knees and these yeah, people, like, yeah blah blah. Yeah. I'm still what I'm trying to explain, not explaining it very well. But they had them with the gladiators, and I think you got passes to their London shows because it was filmed in Birmingham, and I went to their London shows. I've got a signed hand somewhere in my loft from Scorpio. Um, signed hand from Scorpio. I know it's worth a lot of money that. Um, oh, but yeah, I bet. Not from John Fashioner though. So yeah, a wooga. That's all I'm going to leave that with. A wooga. Um, well, we've we've gone over an hour, which I didn't think on those two subjects. So um, I think we should... Well, it was three subjects, wasn't it, really? It turned into three, didn't it? Gladiators. Oh, I love Gladiators. Um, well, there was murmurings of me doing a po- Gladiators podcast at some point, but it's never really come to fruition. But yeah, maybe... Yeah, I won't, I won't expect an invite onto that one. Well, if you've never watched it, Matthew, then... Well, maybe that well, would be I, good. I, I obviously knew about it and I was aware of it, but I, didn't, I don't think I ever... So you say 92 busy boozing. Yeah, no. 92 to 2 that well yeah 92 well obviously United lost the league in 92 and I've never been the same person since <laughs> I've never got over it and I, you know so yeah would have been out in the AO ever since oh, so you weren't watching Lois and Clark no. either I mean that was a staple hold of Saturday night yeah, as well that was, that, was on, that was on BBC One and then I know. North Hope Park yeah I know, I know. Baywatch was on ITV wasn't it Baywatch then Gladiators if I remember rightly then You Bet yeah. probably oh, I do I remember You Bet that was that was well before me, my, uh, my socialising. I remember that. Good old man. Who was the... Forsyth presented that first? Yes. Forsyth first, yeah. Then, then Matthew, Matthew Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, yeah, Matthew then Darren Kelly. Day did it. Oh, Darren Day. Bad, yes. Bad times. Yeah. Bad times for you, bet. Anyway, um, top of the pops, Joe. You'll be tweeting about that later on. Um, where can people find well, you? And Knox, I'm going out tomorrow night. Oh. Uh, so maybe probably Friday I'll be talking about it at some point. But we're into 1986. It's all right. Sledgehammer's number one for four weeks. Uh, sorry, number four for four weeks, which I always remember. Uh, yeah, it's not. I think Spirit in the Sky is number one at the minute. Ugh. Doctor and the Medics version of it. Any version of it is not good one, mate. And where can people find you? Uh, Joel Baby Herc is everywhere. It's everywhere. And Matthew, where are you? And with all your plethora of articles across the board. Yeah, uh, at 
I can't remember now. Oh yeah, at Matthew, Matthew J. J. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm doing a piece on a couple of bits on Wenger this week because it's something you forgot to mention. But we've done Wenger this week. This week is the anniversary of Alison Wenger's first game in charge of us. We did a whole show on Wenger. We'll yeah, well, we've archives. done shows on the '98 World yeah. Cup. No, Stop literally, literally a whole show on Arsene Wenger and we've got Adam Smith coming next week I'm not going to do too much Arsenal but yes it was the anniversary of Arsene Wenger's first game I'll tweet it so we mention it at least um, but yeah follow the show at AK90s on Twitter at AK90s pod on Instagram I'm at Ashrays UK and until next time as always keep it 90s I love it, keep-